Welcome to the fifth episode of Demolvel here, season 10 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who always thinks of fallopian tubes when someone plays the tuba, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. It's your final podcast from your current base in Phuket. Yes. Yes, I haven't even said on this podcast where I'm going yet. You're the only one who knows. And the airlines. <laughs> and who and the people who are hosting us. <laughs> Nobody else knows. It's going to be a magical mystery for literally everyone else. And it's going to be a where in the world is Michael Harmstone style cliffhanger where we just go, yeah, Logan's here, let's move on. Yeah. Just saying. He's, 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 he's somewhere. See, he's somewhere in this universe. Somewhere in the Milky Way. Have you had a busy week? Oh, compared to last week, no, it's mainly just been booking everything for what is to come over the next month or so. <laughs> it's uh, rapidly ramping up now that we've got the confirmation that A, we're going to the finale in a few weeks, and B, that it's going to be on a much larger scale than the last time we went. Which is saying something, because the last time we went felt like a pretty large-scale finale, but it feels like it's going to be a, a massive freaking celebration. Yeah, the capacity of Kinepolis in Antwerp's about maybe three, 4,000 people. The capacity of Palais 12 is 15,000. 15,000 people all gathered together for a reality TV show finale. Yeah. You would not find that at any of the Survivor finales for maybe the past 20 years. <laughs> no. I was in the audience for the one Survivor finale. I don't think it would have even been a thousand people in that room. No, it looked to about 750 on the screen. About 750, yes, for Koron. Yeah, give or take. I don't think even for the Marquesa finale, where it was completely open venue, I don't think they had more than a couple thousand people for that. Wasn't the one at Madison Square Garden? Which one Which one was the MSG one? I feel like there was a Madison Square Garden survivor finale. Curious, what season would that be? Would that be for Amazon? And then the Masonry Canada finales have about 40 or 50 people in the audience for that. <laughs> As to the Vista Mall finales until this year. They have like 40, 50 people in the room and then like 5,000 people outside. <laughs> yep, they all get to freeze in Amsterdam. I knew it. Survivor All-Stars reunion filmed in uh, Madison Square Gardens. Oh, man. And we're going to begin this week with a listener complaint, which we've not had in a few weeks, because um, I had a very nice message on Sunday, I think it was, off uh, Wimpy3 in, uh, in the Discord, who said... Michael, big fan of your Demol podcast here, but there's one thing I'd like to point out. It's actually not the Belgian mole, but Flemish mole. There are no Belgian TV stations, only Flemish and Walloon ones, which makes it impossible for a Belgian TV series to exist. We've got, for instance, a Dutch-spoken Married at First Sight, but there's also a French version. Both aired in Belgium, but for a different audience. There's no Belgian version, but two distinct versions made by different production companies. It's the same for political parties. Both Flemish and French-speaking people live in Belgium, but have different political representatives. So while Demol is technically aired in 60% of Belgium, the other 40% have literally never heard of the show. Such a small vacuum. And that is, uh, but yet super duper popular somehow. <laughs> and I did also say in my response that basically I think we decided to just say Demol Belgia rather than Demol Flanders because that's how Wiki categorizes it. And also any and all responsibility for that is, of course, due to you because any issues, I just blame you, it's easier. 
Yeah, if we called it the Mole Flanders, you know I'd be making a Simpsons joke every single week. Let, let's let's be real. Exactly. Neither of us really want to have to constantly say Flander. We would much rather struggle to say Belkier instead. Yeah, we'd be floundering saying Flandering. And the one other thing that I do have to not necessarily harp on about, but um, I did make a slight TV appearance at the weekend, um, crashing and burning on the hit ITV game show, The 1% Club, which is, if you cast your mind back to last July, the fifth episode of uh, Amazing Race 3 coverage, where I was really, really pissed off that day. That was why. It was an awful experience, and one I never want to have to repeat again with a terrible production company, and one who, the morning after we recorded that podcast, I put a complaint in about. But it finally aired on TV on Saturday. And apparently you can at multiple opportunities, see me looking very pissed off in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Did it do a close-up of you? Uh, I was right next to a woman who kept getting picked on for questions, who was very entertaining, but she was also the woman who, after nine hours of recording, they wouldn't let go to the bathroom. So, yeah. Apparently you can see me a lot of the time when uh, when they're talking to her. Just you looking gruntled? Yeah, me looking incredibly grumpy that I got one question wrong in the entire show, and had I not got that wrong, I would have won £96,000. What question did you get wrong? It was a show all about logic puzzles and stuff, and there was a puzzle that just didn't work with my brain, basically, that I couldn't work out. So I got that one wrong and went out. That was reasonably early in the show before you could skip questions as well. So had I got through that question, I got everything else right apart from one other question which I would have skipped on. So I would have got all the way through to the end with potentially a ninety-six grand prize. That'd be funny if you won that and then complained the next and then emailed the complaint. <laughs> Being perfectly honest, I still would have complained about how they treated us. They treated us awfully. It's the worst experience I've ever had around a TV studio. But we're not here to rant about that. We're here to rant about Demol Valkyrie. I, d- I just thought there would be certain people from the Bolasvar Discord who would be very surprised if I didn't mention that, um, that I was on 1% Club this week. And I th- I have to start off by saying it's nice to have a normal episode again. After the last two weeks of virtual insanity, it's nice to have a reasonably normal episode, albeit as normal as a family visit and Emanuela being in charge of shooting people with paintballs can be. Yeah, that's kind of a funny way to think, oh, I'm glad I'm glad the twist was just involved Passfrog and, and the family member visit and a paintball game. Not just a paintball game, potentially my favourite paintball game they've ever done, entirely because of Manu. She is an absolute star in this episode. She did get a lot of attention from start to finish. I have a feeling now that Manu might be our winner. She's not the winner. There's a very good chance she's the mole. I think whoever is the mole, they want to feature prominently since they only have four episodes to do so. Yeah, I, I think given her bullshit radar, as shown this week, I think she's probably already on the right track. Speaking of which, uh, I guess they must have cancelled the rest of the day when Philip exited the game because everyone gets their own shot of staring out into the ocean, watching the waves crash and just reconcile the fact that this is deja vu all over again. Well, presumably the announcement happened right after breakfast, as we saw, and then presumably everyone had a fairly long chat with Jill to determine who was going to be the mole. Then production presumably would have taken a little while to actually decide who was going to be mole. And then they filmed that um, you are the mole, you're not the mole sequence in place of the test. So 
maybe it finished around two, three o'clock for them. And then, yeah, they got the evening to just sort of think, oh shit, I might be the mole now and start afresh the next day. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like the, the last season of Amazing Race where they were suspended for 19 months due to the pandemic and got to practice whatever weaknesses they had or, or realize what they shouldn't do when they come back. And here it's really the same thing. You have Mando saying, oh, I was experiencing major tunnel busy. I was so far in that tunnel, it wasn't even funny. And everyone's thinking, well, it doesn't matter if I was on to Philippe or not. You got to put that out of your mind and move into the second half of the game. It's, it's not even a second half. It's really a new season. Yeah. It's a very interesting way for them to start the second mini season that we've got here. Because everyone sort of talks about what they're expecting the new mole to do. How do you think you would expect a new mole to act? Do you think they would change their personality at all? I'm sure production's hoping they don't change. <laughs> yeah, or, or do you think that this is potentially a leading question? Or do you think that um, they would expect everyone else to change around them and maybe it's just easier to act exactly how they did before? I think... Everyone's going to act the same personality-wise, but there's definitely going to be a lot more aggression from everybody in terms of potential sabotages and wanting to look like the mole. I think the true essence of who everyone is will remain intact. In terms of how people approach the challenges is going to be completely different. And right away in the water slide challenge, there is a lot of mind games going on. Yeah. I was thinking about this as probably everyone else who watched last week's episode. I was thinking about this a lot in the week about Philippe's exit, obviously. And I don't think we were necessarily harsh with him last week, although we, we did try and kind of temper any any blame that Philippe may have acquired from certain quarters of uh, of American fans if they were ever watching. But I think the thing with Philippe is that he... He felt like as mold he potentially had to change a bit too much and he was he was pushed a bit too far outside of his comfort zone of having to let people down. Yeah, no one wants to be the only mole ever that quits during the season or is known as the mole the most ineffective mole. Which is kind of, I'm guessing Philippe wasn't too familiar with your own. Well no, exactly. So previously, Jens was selected to duel a professional cyclist up a mountain, but the Moles' worries about letting themselves and production down saw another sabotage fail, and the team win money. At a challenge that celebrated everything to do with drag, the boys were transformed while Philippe seemed subdued. A night's sleep saw him reach a gut-wrenching decision to exit the game due to mental health concerns, but not before turning the game upside down by revealing himself as the Mole. His departure saw a new Mole be chosen, and the game begin anew. And the new mole also immediately gets a briefing at the start of the episode. Although I do have a bone to pick with production over this, because I don't think this is a briefing of the mole. I think they got their terms mixed up and this is actually a diary of the mole. And the end of the episode is a briefing of the mole. Because in a diary of the mole, we never hear anyone else speak. It's always just the mole. The mole's alone in the room. Yeah, it's the mole's confessional. It's, uh, it's not actually someone coaching them through it like the briefings usually are. Yeah, because briefing it means that somebody is giving them information. Yeah. So the first one we see here, where they say it's a briefing of the mole, I would actually argue is a diary of the mole, 
and the one at the end where they're talking about, oh, there's a big surprise to come at Palais 12 on, uh, on the 8th of May. I think that is the briefing of them all rather than a diary of them all. But that's just me being pedantic. And for those who are wondering what the surprise on May 8th is going to be, uh, it's going to be Joe DaCosta shrieking across the arena when the mold is revealed. Yeah, he. if, if you've ever been to Disneyland and you've seen the uh, Tinkerbell that they fly from the castle during the fireworks, it's basically going to be that. Yeah, but Joe DaCosta, without, without any clothing on, he puts the bear in Papa Bear. So the new mole gets, quote-unquote, a briefing. Had someone said this morning that you'd be the mole in 12 hours, I would have never believed you. I think I have an advantage over other moles because I was a contestant first. I know what they pay attention to, and I'm so excited to deceive everyone. However, as someone did say on the Discord, that's not necessarily true because the one person who's ever been a contestant before being the mole in uh, previous years was Yaron, who didn't know what he was doing and didn't know how to deceive people. Yeah... Did not make odd choices sometimes. Yeah. I'd like to think if they ever did another Renaissance-style season, they would actually pick a decent mole this time, rather than, you know, it being potentially the most forgettable person they've ever cast on the show. Well, it kind of backfired, because we mentioned you're on almost every mole podcast for the past two years. So the opening quote is from Vietnam's Cat, and she says, We aren't prepared to be the mole. Neither was your own. It's day 12 in Las Palmas. The candidates are being woken up early with breakfast in bed, served by their loved ones. And I do have to say I would have absolutely loved it if if they went into the wrong room accidentally. (laughs) Yeah. Three's a crowd. Sven's brother backs into the room and just sees Jens there. (laughs) Hey, buddy. Want to see pictures of this random baby? (laughs) And they are, perhaps not accidentally, all in separate rooms now. Yeah, they made that change pretty quick. Production's probably thinking, the new mole is going to be really stressed out about possibly revealing they're the mole in there while sleep talking too. <laughs> let's let's not wait for next season. Let's resolve this issue right now. And it's just the new person picked as the mole just shouts, I'm the mole! <laughs> okay, we gotta pick another new mole. And we have to soundproof the ceiling even more. I know we were worried about them sleep talking, but it, it, it seems that our new mole may sleep scream. <laughs> I can't believe I have to deceive the group tomorrow. That's gonna kill me. <laughs> Why did I agree to do this? Ah, fuck. So Sven is the only one who isn't visited by his girlfriend as she stayed home with their newborn daughter. Instead, he's got the choice of being woken up by his brother, Christoph. And everyone, surprisingly, I can't think of a season where five out of six, six contestants have their partner there, their romantic partner. Yeah, I was thinking that because every single person is in a relationship. And I can't think of that happening before in Belgium, all at least. Yeah, because in reality shows, they tend to skew towards single people. But as we've learned with them all many times, they never really go that route. It's not really what they're not looking to make a love connection. If they do this season, then they're they're home wreckers. Usually have someone like Lloyd whose mum came out. Yeah, or Toon. Probably would have happened with Toon as well if he was still still around. Toon probably would have had to have some sort of uh, teacher come out because, uh, you know, he needs some sort of legal guardian. 
<laughs> There's a pink permission slip from school. Yeah, he, he Toon just still thinks that he's on a school trip. Camp is going a bit longer than we expected. So Jens's girlfriend, Mary Sophie, asks if he's behaving here or whether he acts like he does at home. We also meet Manu's husband, Clemens, Bert's wife, Anouk, Uma's boyfriend, Davy, and Anka's husband, Niels. And everyone breaks the news to their loved ones that the mole quit last night. Their loved ones ask if they're the mole, and nobody really gives a straight answer. When Manu... It's, it's kind of funny because there's a really famous baseball player named Roger Clemens. So when people see the names Manu and Clemens or Manuel Clemens on, the, on a piece of paper, they're going to think that person is probably the cousin of Roger Clemens rather than realizing it's two completely different people. And interestingly, rather than driving themselves to the first assignment of the episode, they are driven on a Chewy bus. Chewy have pulled out all the stops. Not only did they send Germany Jens over, and we saw that in episode one, but they're also providing a driver and a coach for the day. And they are driven to Aqualand, the largest water park in Gran Canaria, and Jill even tells them he's jealous of the challenge that they're about to do today. Hidden across the water park are tubes. Some are worth 10 euros, some are worth a thousand, and there is one bankrupt tube. He advises them to avoid that tube at all costs. Their loved ones must collect as many tubes as they can and remember their values, as only six will be able to be cashed in that evening. The contestants must use the letters from the word saboteur to make correct Dutch words on the ride photo of a set of eight water sites. If they do, they can play an extra assignment, starting with a three-letter word, and they have 90 minutes to complete. It should be noted that I think Uma and Anka were quite disappointed that Aqualand wasn't just the song Barbie Girl blaring on the speakers all day. That is very true. That is next week's version of Tiny Bubbles. It's Jill's fun house, and they're going to lock Anka and Uma in a room where it just plays different versions of Barbie Girl over and over again. Yeah, we're going back to Aqualand, but not the type you're thinking of. I have to say, as someone who loves water parks, this looked like a lot of fun as a challenge. Yeah, I wouldn't even care if I earned money or not. Water parks are expensive. Water parks are fun. Yeah. I would just want to play around with the letters. I'd want to toss them like frisbees down or, or race the letters down and see who can who would get to the bottom first. Or secretly swap one of the letters and try to make dirty words uh, within it. It's also worth pointing out as well, this is the only challenge this season so far where we've not got a maximum amount confirmed. I assume 6,000? I'm assuming 6,000 as well, because my logic is there were, as we're going to get to, there were six 500 euro tubes that were at the uh, the extra assignments. And I think those were the equivalent of the guaranteed money from the cycling challenge last week. So because Jens was offered the 50% cut for the ability to pretty much guarantee he'll win, it was the same here, where they're offered the chance to cash in the six 500 euro tubes to guarantee themselves some money, but also it's half of the actual maximum they can make. From going back and watching the opening video of this, there were at least 4,000 euro tubes, so I'm assuming there were probably six. Yeah, it's either, it's either 6,000 or 5,000 they could make from this challenge. Yeah, my maths for this episode is based on it being 6,000, for the record. And we see a lot of people screwing up, and Jill also reveals that the mole's partner is in on this challenge. 
this is such a good twist. And I'm assuming they still would have done this with Philippe had had he stayed in the game. But I love this twist so much. Because not only does it give them a confident on the day, especially in the situation where they've just been thrown into being the new mole, but also it gives them a little bit of fun when they get home going, oh, I wonder if my partner could be the mole. What would be odd, too, is if, if Philippe did this challenge and the partner was better at sabotaging than he was. Yeah, because he was still half asleep. He was just getting waterboarded as he went down the tubes because, you know, it was the most awake he'd been because he was just constantly getting water sprayed in his face. Yeah, because if you're really tired, water feels a lot colder. Yeah, I was thinking that would be really odd. I wonder if that would be embarrassing for Philippe if the partner was a better saboteur. Maybe they're just using it as a tester for who's going to be the new mole next year. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the twist. Loved ones. It's all previous loved ones as contestants. I mean, it'd work. As long as you didn't specifically announce it as all these ten people are all previous loved ones of mole contestants. I think it'd work. Be quite the twist. The question is which loved ones you'd cast. I'm trying to think who would be the more would be the more fun ones from seasons past. I'm trying to think if there were any loved ones that were really intense. I mean, you'd just want this idea because you'd have a chance of um, of getting there as either Davy's loved one or um, or Kathy Stalker in the bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does Kathy does Kathy even have loved ones? Does she even like or not have loved ones? Does she does she care for having loved ones? Kathy's husband didn't go out to Argentina. I don't think did he. Was it her brother? I can't remember. I don't think her husband went. Maybe a coworker. Yeah, I seem to remember it was it, it was someone other than Kathy's husband, for whatever reason. So the catch to the tube game is that not all the slides are the same length, so it's tougher than it seems to get a readable word. As they walk up to the top of the slides, they walk past the bankrupt tube, which can be monitored from the ride photo at the bottom. How do you think you would play this as, um, as a new mole? Probably pretty close to how Manu played it. I think the key thing to do is try and ensure that either you or your loved one are completely unattended at some point. Because the advantage for the loved one of the new mole is that as long as they find a 1,000 euro tube, they can swap it for a 10 euro one and just put that in the same place and let someone else find it. If you are completely unmonitored at the bottom, like I think Sven was at one point, then you can just start messing with tubes. You just start maybe accidentally opening some, maybe swapping some around from the two different piles. Yeah, I think you would take advantage of the fact that your loved one is completely unattended and no one else really knows what your loved one is truly like, so you can make out your loved one to be a complete bumbling idiot and no one else would be any the wiser. The other key piece of information that I'd quite like to know is whether the loved one of the mole knew where the tubes were. Well, if they get a, if they would get the it's not just a briefing of the mole, it's a briefing of the mole and their loved one. Yeah, I don't know whether only the mole got a briefing on what the challenge actually was, or whether the loved one also got to find out where the thousand euro tubes were, because that would obviously make their job a lot easier. I'm trying to think, but this is essentially the only challenge ever where you'd have two moles. Well, the opening challenge yeah. of last year. Yeah, <laughs> that was its own thing. 
in terms of mid game to have a challenge with two moles, this is this is really the only one. So it's kind of interesting to see how you get two moles to cooperate together. I would argue that Martin didn't actually do any molding in that challenge. He was playing it as a contestant who wanted to be the mole. You know what's funny is right before the challenge, when they were showing everyone's conversations, or when it's right after Jill says, oh, the mole's loved one knows what they have to do or knows that they're all, that they're in on the mole sabotage. And then I specifically wrote, I don't think Bert is the mole because they show too much of his conversation with his loved one. And right away, I put Bert at the very bottom of my suspect list. Spoilers for later, I did not. So with 69 minutes left, they form the word row and can send a duo to the first assignment. Jill also comes in and does what he does best and just stirs the pot a little bit by telling them that the new mole told their visitor of the new role this morning, and they will be acting as accomplice for this challenge. They see Clemens, Manu's husband, touch the bankrupt tube, and they want to call the visitors back, as they don't trust them given the news, probably understandable. Although I would argue, after 21 minutes into this challenge, the damage is probably already done on the visitor's side. When they try to bring the word tuba down, we get a Wilhelm scream. It's a very subtle one, though. And then we get the infamous tuba is a fallopian tube. <laughs> yeah, I just love that this challenge is both delightful to watch and play as a contestant, but is also a wonderful mess. I think it's just because it's such an easygoing and fun challenge after something so devastating the day before, where it's like, here, just play down these water slides and everyone just play mind games with each other for 90 minutes. Just, just go at it. Just have fun. We know you've had a tough few days. Just have fun. So Jens and Mary Sophie get the first bonus assignment. They will see a Rebus puzzle on the Anaconda tube ride and must write down the solution to get a tube worth 500 euros. Mary Sophie solves it immediately as Thundercloud, and they get 20 seconds after the ride to write it down. I like how Mary Sophie was a better contestant than Jens was for that challenge. Oh yeah, she she's a brilliant loved one, and also she absolutely suffered no shit with it. She was just like, come on, get out the tube. Come on, you've got to do it quickly. I want that money. <laughs> so the second tube is waiting at the boomerang ride, but they must form a four-letter word to get to go on it. Uma lets the side down with her missing S. They separate the expensive tubes from the 10 euro ones, and those definitely won't get mixed up when the mole is left alone. And as you said, they come down with the word tuba, which Anouk says is the word for fallopian tube. And Clemens has to remind her that it is also, probably more famously, an instrument. <laughs> Jens volunteers to protect the bankrupt tube. He swaps with Bert, so someone is always watching it. And they mess the timing up over and over and over and over and over again. I thought Bert was trying way too hard to mess up the timing, more so than the others. I'm wondering whether the best tactic here is to try and pretend you're a contestant as the mole, but then just earn enough trust that you're just left with those tubes. Because that's where the damage is done. It doesn't matter if they get all six of the 500 euro tubes as long as, you know, somebody has messed with the tubes to begin with. Yeah, really the water slide portion is just a big red herring for uh, where most of the money is earned. Yeah. If our logic... Uh, of it being a €6,000 maximum is correct, they're never going to win €6,000 as soon as an accomplice is introduced to the park. So the best they can do is the €3,000. 
And the mall is definitely going to get in the way of them earning the 3,000 euros just by swapping tubes around, I suspect. The realistic best they could have earned here was probably about 1,000. And it takes them forever to get the next word. It takes them, almost, it takes them about an hour. <laughs> yeah, they go down from 69 minutes to about 22, I think it was. I thought it was 12. No, it's 22 attempts, so yeah. Yeah, it's the best part of an hour, then. Yeah, they're down to, I have it in my notes, they're down to 13 minutes. So they spent an hour trying to get a four-letter word. <laughs> it's 56 minutes they spent, and 22 attempts. So Sven's brother Christoph leaves to take over timing duty. They get close to a tuber and eventually get it right after 22 attempts. They've got six and a half minutes to send someone to the boomerang, and they volunteer Clemens and Manu. I bet Manu and Clemens wish they, they had 22 attempts to get the tassel. Yeah, the thing is, that is a horrible ride, and I'm not sure I would really enjoy doing that one. The other one, I definitely would enjoy doing. That tube ride that Jens and Mary Sophie did looked actually quite pleasant. The boomerang did not look very pleasant. Yeah, it was like a almost like a half pipe in skateboarding or snowboarding. Yeah, just outside of an inflatable raft with a 60 degree angle. So they get two tries to grab the tassel from the 60 degree angle. And if they do, they can take a 500 euro tube, they grab it, and add another 500 euro tube to the pile. Jens then gets stuck in the fifth slide and loses his temper a little, throwing the uh, the map down the uh, the slide. Manu and Clemens return with their 500 euro tube and add it to the high value pile. They still need two more, so leave it to fate and pick two randomly from the 10 euro pile. Manu and Anka have a little bit of an argument over a loose tube, but Sven has already mixed them up, which is heckin' suspicious. They give their six to Jill and earn four 10 euro tubes, a 1,000 tube, and a 500 euro tube for a total of 1540. However, the 500 euro tube is rejected due to Manu opening it as soon as she picked it up because she was, quote unquote, on autopilot. So, Molly, Clemens picks up the bankrupt tube to make everyone all suspicious, and that's all eight people in one area using letters to go down the slides, and then Manu and Clemens get to use the boomerang, and Manu just opens up the tube, and then they all have a big fight where Anka's screaming at Manu the whole time, and we don't even know what tubes are being handed in. So much suspicion on her. I don't know whether they would draw so much attention to Manu if that was a deliberate sabotage. Even though, obviously, they've only got four weeks to tell the story of this mole, so it's going to be told differently, I'm still not sure whether they would show the mole committing a sabotage that early on. Yeah, you could argue it's a bit overboard with how much airtime is on Manu. Yeah, especially after the second challenge where, if she was the mole, I reckon she would have been told who had what. And on the flip side, we're five episodes into the season, and I'm curious how many people have Anka and Uma as interchangeable personalities. We haven't we haven't heard much from each from either one of them. Uma's Uma's very quiet. I think maybe Uma's a bit quieter than Anka. Anka's a bit more confrontational, but we don't really know too much of each of their backstories. Yeah, if you put a gun to my head now and said, "Who do you think the final three are going to be?" I would say Sven, Manu, and Jens. With Manu winning. I can't, at the moment, see Anchor or Uma making the final three, which is a very interesting position to be in at final five. Because they could, what if they both make the final three? Then whoever they go with is probably the mole, being perfectly honest. 
So yeah, they earn a total of 1,040 euros of a presumed 6,000 for the challenge. And we see Anchor say that everyone is going to be extra shady as it was the first challenge of a new mole. Gilles promises them a lovely meal with their loved ones at the Hotel Santa Carolina. We get a hilarious quote from Manu. Or, no, wait, that happens later. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, all the Manu content is in the second half of this episode, I think. Manu is a star in the second half of this episode. You know how I said a few weeks ago that if she's half the character that her namesake from Oregon was, then we're going to really enjoy her. She puts in a very similar style performance as Emanuela did in the Oregon laser game with the paintball game. She is amazing in this. So Gilles explains that the Hotel Santa Carolina is frequented by the Spanish royal family, as well as Agatha Christie. Everyone's super suspicious of each other after the challenge, and in a subversion of normality, the loved ones are asked by producers whether their candidate is the mole. One of them already knows that they're lying, and the most suspicious person I think here is Sven's brother, who gulps a lot when he says that Sven is not the mole. Yeah, just breaks out in a cold sweat. Ah, here's a picture of a baby. Yeah, because if you think about it this way, the previous day they were flown out to Gran Canaria. They had no idea that their loved one potentially could be the mole. They had no idea that they were going to be put in a position to have to lie for their loved one. And now they're being interrogated by the producers going, is your loved one the mole? I think that's a tough position for them to be put in. So they wake up on day 13 to say goodbye to their loved ones. And of course, it's an incredibly emotional scene, as always. Apart from Sven's, who literally just basically shakes his brother's hand and says, sod off. Yeah. I, I appreciated Co- Coach Kristoff in the water slide challenge. He, he, I think he's the first loved one to just completely take over a challenge in the Mobelhia, and everyone just responded to him. They, they did not mess with him. I think that's Sven's personality, though, as well, because as we said last week, Sven is very much not very emotive, which is a brilliant trait potentially as a mole, because obviously you've got a great poker face. But I feel like Kristoff probably got all the emotion of that family, and he's just quite animated and quite enthusiastic, and Sven's just like, unchanging. (laughs) So the six of them then drive into the mountains and are kidnapped with timers attached to themselves. Gilles says that their assignment today will be controlled by their respective trust in each other. In the morning, they were asked to rank each other from most to least trusted, He then frees the most trusted person, which is Manu. Everyone else gets a clock, the amount of time on which is determined by how much they are trusted by the rest of the group. Anka gets 60 minutes, Uma gets 55, Bert 45, Jens 35, and Sven 25. When their clock hits zero, they are out of this challenge. Each of them gets a paintball gun and a barrack to investigate. The further away the barrack is, the more it is worth from 500 euros all the way up to 2,000. They have to grab the money and reach the end with time still left on their clock. However, there are shooters, and each hit costs them 30 seconds of time from their clock. I love this idea for a paintball game. It's very clever. Yeah, it's a really well thought out one. Time is very rarely a currency in this sort of a game, if you think about it. It's usually you have a set amount of lives, and then that's it. Whereas in theory, Anchor could have got shot how many times? 120? That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of bruises, potentially, for Anka. That she has essentially 120 lives on this challenge. That's one way to activate easy mode in a video game. 
That's like kid mode in Spider-Man. Do you think the mole wanted to be in the final shooter position? I think if you're the mole, you would ideally want to be the most trusted because you decide how much money goes into the pot or not. Yeah, I feel like with Manu's performance, she would have, if she was the mole, been told what everyone had, you'd assume. Yeah, maybe it was reverse psychology. Oh, if I let this money go into the pot, people will trust me that much more. And then I just absolutely wreak havoc in the last three rounds of the game. I know we discussed that off the back of Leonard, they're probably not going to want a really low pot again. But this pot, as of this week, has now exceeded last season's pot. It's hit 20,000 euros again. So as it stands, the person who wins this season is going to win more than Anna Lotta did last year. I'm still not sure the mole would want to give them 3,000 euros, though. Yeah, it's interesting how much, if the mole is told you're the most trusted, how much trust the mole wants to ditch when they're under a microscope. Because the mole doesn't get to decide how everyone else ranks each other. No, but I feel like if the mole is in that sharpshooter position, they probably at least biff one of the monetary amounts to try and get it as close to zero as possible. Yeah, maybe get rid of the 2,000 euro coin that uh, that Anne could try to get across the finish line. Yeah, especially coming off the back of that previous challenge where, let's be honest, Anchor and Manu ended up having a shouting match in a water park. I do think is a little bit surprising given the lack of trust that Manu just lets her pass with her suitcase and 2,000 euros if she's the mole. Or she maybe she didn't feel like shooting at her 30 times in a row. <laughs> well, one shot from Manu ended the game for them, didn't it? Yeah, if they let the time keep going down. I think if you would have like 20 minutes on the clock, you would just sprint. No, I think Manu had a, essentially a golden gun. I think if she shot you, you're out. The Manu with the golden gun? Yeah, that is going to be the title. You you preempted the joke, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Manu essentially was a one-shot kill. So if she shot you, you're out of the game regardless. Um. But I think it's very surprising if they did have such a tip at the water park that if Manu was the mole, she let Anka go anywhere near the end with a potential 2,000 euros. I think she would have shot her regardless if she was the mole. Because there's no skin off her nose. She either wins the uh, the pass for Argon or, uh, or she takes 2,000 euros out of the pot. She doesn't really mind which. It's kind of funny that earlier Manu said Clemens wears the pants and she wears the corrective underwear. In this challenge, Manu's wearing all the pants. I just think that this is an absolute breakout challenge for Manu, and I love it. I love every second of this. So much so that I actually went back and watched all of Manu's scenes again from this challenge before we recorded, just because they amused me so much. Were there interaction between her and Bert? (laughs) She's just so no-nonsense with these people. She's just like, I know exactly what you're like. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. You stand there, or I'm going to shoot you in the face. Bert's, what was Bert's line? You're the woman with the gun, I'm the man with the money. It's your choice. I'm not going to dissuade you one way or the other. So the first barrack is guarded by a shooter in a tower. Anka proves herself to be a very sharp shot, and shoots him and stops him shooting for another ten seconds. Sven enters the first barrack as he has the least time. He has to build a house of cards. One level will earn him a token worth 500 euros. Two levels is a patchfarg. And three levels is two pass Fargan. He tells them that he has to build a three-floor tower to earn money. As long as he keeps building, the others are not allowed to move. 
He builds his house with 15 minutes left on his clock. Guarding the exit is Manu, who also has a paintball gun. And she gets the ultimate decision on whether the candidate gets to leave with their prize or whether she gets to take it off their hands. If she shoots someone with fast dragon, she takes them. But if she shoots someone with money, that amount leaves the pot. If you were Sven and you were the least trusted person here for whatever reason, how accurate that is, we don't really know because apparently Manu and Sven put each other as number one. How do you think you would play it if you were the mole? If I was Sven and I was voted least trusted and I was the mole, if everyone has such low expectations for me, I would go for the pass frog because that's what everyone expects and it would uh, create the least amount of attention or stir within the challenge. And if anyone else deviates from their trustworthy or untrustworthy status, all of the attention will be on them in the challenge. I think if he is the mold, he plays this very cleverly. Because what he does is he goes into that barrack and he lies to them immediately and says, oh yeah, I had to build a house of cards that's three high. He knows that everyone after him is going to know that he was lying on that. But it sets up the mistrust that it then potentially gives everyone else the opportunity to go, oh, actually, I quite fancy trying to sneak a pass for through as well. So it basically gives people the permission to be able to be selfish. And then, obviously, if Manu thinks that everyone's taken pass bargain, she shoots everyone. If she shoots everyone, she then takes any money that anyone takes out of the game. Yeah, and then the other flip side of that, though, is Jens just comes clean about everything. Yeah. I don't think he would have necessarily anticipated that Jens would have done that, which is funny. Yeah, or you think, oh, maybe everyone is just going to keep it to themselves until the very end of the challenge. Meanwhile, Jens is like, oh, by the way, this is the challenge. This is exactly how it works. All three of you now know this. And this makes Manu's decision a lot easier at the finish line as to who is telling the truth, Sven or Jens, because Jens gives up a lot more information that earns a lot more trust. Which maybe, if he's towards the end of the untrustworthy pile and he's the mole, maybe that's his way of earning everyone's trust. But is it too obvious to do that? Is it too desperate? Yeah, I think if the mole is not Manu, then the play here for the mole is try and sow as much mistrust as you can. Try and get it into a position where Manu's just going to shoot everyone regardless. And I think Sven sows those seeds if he is the mole. Far better than anyone else did. I did enjoy how Manu and Sven uh, pulled a swatty from Survivor 42 and tell each other that they're each other's number one. I think it's really sweet that even when Manu does shoot people, she's just like, oh yeah, I love you really, and just gives them a hug every time. Even though, you know, she is kind of ending their advantages. Yeah, oh, that's okay. I'm exempt. I also feel like if you're Manu and you're a candidate, you probably just shoot everyone regardless and go, you know what, I'll potentially take the four and a half grand hit to earn some pass for him. Because it keeps it out of other people's hands. Yeah, she could just shoot everybody and say, well... I can just say I was trying to only have one person have the advantage instead of everybody having the advantage over me. It could was it pure luck that Manu knew exactly who to shoot and who not to shoot. I will say though that Uma was a terrible liar in this challenge. <laughs> Uma goes from being the quietest to suddenly super duper George Costanza levels of anger. All, all, I mean, her, her vein was popping out of her forehead. I must admit, every single time someone turned around and went, well, I'm just going to walk anyway, and 
Manu had to respond going, if you take one step, I am going to shoot you directly in the chest. I don't give a shit. You do not move. That made me laugh every time. I think pretty much everyone did that. Yeah, I'm going to make your aorta explode. You want a neck shot? That's how you get a neck shot. You don't know how much Unreal Tournament I've played. How strong do you think your hyoid is? Do you want to test it? It'd be funny if she shoots them and just starts beating them with the butt of the gun and the produce, production crew has to step in. Like, wait, wait, man, who? You're hurting. You're hurting the contestants. So Sven tries to convince her that he took 10 minutes to build a layer of a house of cards and she correctly thinks that he's bluffing, but is shot by the man in the tower, but then him and Jens reach the second safe zone. Jens enters the second barrack and gets the same instructions as Sven, but with a thousand euros as the price for one layer. He tells the rest of the group how the challenge works. He tells them he's going for a thousand euros, so she doesn't get past Fragen no matter what. But then realises that Sven lied to them. He's still negotiating with Manu with four minutes left on his personal clock. And she says she has an inner dilemma because she had him as the most trusted person. Jens then leaves for the finish, while the other three heads to the third barrack worth 1500 euros. And it is guarded by three shooters where Anker gets hit and loses time. Jens then comes to crash Sven's party. He says that she's never trusted him, but she tells him to shut up because she's busy with Sven. He then reveals that Sven didn't tell them the truth about the House of Cards. I love Manu's interactions with everyone, but I especially love her interactions with Jens and with Anker. Because you go from her just telling Jens to shut his mouth to... Anchor saying, yeah, we know your drama, shut up. Like, she just doesn't care. It's delightful. What also really impressed me is how much of a sharpshooter Anchor was in this challenge. She was a better sharpshooter than Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, she's definitely done that before. wonder if that was something they also practiced preseason. How did, how did Germany Jens get it on practicing with uh, laser guns? I must admit, I'm very disappointed we didn't find out what they tested Germany Jens for this week. That needed to be a secret scene. Just release his his testing every week with the secret scenes. That's all I want. With increasingly convoluted methods that they managed to convince him to do it. And Manu, Anka, and Uma, the three ladies here, have quite the potty mouths uh, when it's the three of them together at the end. There's a lot of swearing. They're swearing on their word, and they're also swearing in terms of profanity. Yeah, we know you've sworn loads before in this game. I think they got slightly lucky that this challenge was right after the mole change, because it's the perfect challenge for someone with as good a BS radar as as Manu to then try and work out whose personality may have slightly changed or not. It's a very interesting challenge to be positioned in this episode, I would say. See, I for me... I really suck at building a house of cards. I, I think I'd be earning I'd be earning the money unintentionally. Yeah, I would be absolutely terrible at building house of cards. But also I think that given my personality, I'd probably be getting shot regardless. Yeah, come on, shoot me, shoot me. I am a bit of a shit talker when I wanna be, so I don't think I would have got through that without getting paintball gunned in the chest, to be honest. So Bert and Uma are both shots before Anchor shoots the shooter. Bert goes into the third barrack, he says he wants a pass frog, and eventually runs towards the exit with 14 minutes left. Manu then has to make her decision on Sven as he only has two minutes left on his clock. She says she's letting Sven through with his two pass frogging, but then shoots him, earning herself the two pass frogging. Jens's argument is that he knows that she'd shoot him no matter what, so he wasn't giving her pass frogging. She gives him the benefit of the doubt and he earns the pot a thousand euros. Sven tells him that he lets Sven down, but Jens calls him 
a bastard for even going for Passbrag and being so stupid. But then makes it to Manu, who refuses to let him immediately walk past. It devolves into an argument. He tries to convince her that he went for Passfragen originally, but settled for money. She tells him that he can walk, but shoots him, winning her another Passfrag. Her bullshit radar is on point. Anki yet again shoots the tower shooter, but they forget the second shooter, who gets Uma right before her barrack. Jens has a problem with everyone playing for themselves when he didn't. And Anka gets herself shot, but yet again gets the guy in the tower to reach the 2,000 euro barrack. Uma is then hit nine times on her way to the exit. She claims she didn't want to give Manu everything, so she just took the money. Manu tells her that Bert took a pass frag, and she already has three of them. One shooter then stands between Anka and the finish. When she shot the one in the tower, he shrugged as she shot him, and she takes the last one out with 13 minutes and 30 left on her clock. Then we get the screaming match between Manu, Uma, and Anka. She says that she'd rather nobody had any Passfragen, but Manu turns around and says, It's a shame, I've got three already. Manu then tells her to shut up as we know your drama, and she's dealing with Uma. Manu doesn't trust Uma, and she's told to walk and get shot, but Uma asks for it to not be in the face. And she earns herself another two Passfragen by correctly shooting Uma. Anka says she's tired of negotiating and that she's going to walk regardless. Manu says that she'll shoot her even if she does. Manu lets her walk and earns 2,000 euros for the pot for a total of 3,000 of 6.5 for the challenge, 4,040 of 12.5 for the episode, and 20,390 of 54,100 for the season so far. And because you do it every week, I did rank my moles at this point. All right, let's hear it. So, obviously, not knowing that Bert went, it was Sven, then Bert, then Jens, then Anka, then Manu, then Uma. I had Manu, then Jens, then Uma, then Sven, then Bert, then Anka. It is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows the least will go home, except for the mole, who can never go home. Manu has five past Fragen that the others tried to sneak past her, which, under Belgian rules, must be used in this round. Anka says it's an extra challenge as a new mole, because everyone knows how you were before. Sven says that Manu was the most changed over the past couple of days, and he doesn't trust it. Yen says that Sven used to always go for the pot, but not anymore. He's the least trusted person, and a new mole has to earn that trust. Manu says the most suspicious thing was Anka and Yen's both going for cash, especially since they knew she'd go into this sort of a game with a shoot-first, ask-questions-later attitude. Uma says that Anka looked good because she went for €2,000, but that would have left the pot had she been shot. Bert says that it's so strange that Anka was so angry that the rest went for Passfragen, she responds that she'd have to be stupid to basically give someone an exemption. Uma says that she'll be lucky if she's still here tomorrow. She doesn't have a clue, but she did answer super fast. Gilles says that it's a historic moment, the fifth elimination, but it might as well be the first. And we are about to find out who might be on the new mold trail. Sven, Anka and Uma all get green screens before Bert is sent home with the first proper red screen in three weeks. First proper red screen since really... Since episode one. <laughs> well, yeah. We obviously had a red screen with uh, with Tun in Germany Gens, but yeah, the first proper red screen since Kretel. Yeah, singular. So he says that he felt earlier that it was his time. It's still a sad situation. He just knew too little about the new mole. Yeah, there was, he was going to sleep talk his way into victory this time. He was. I think it's... I wonder whether Bert has any regrets. Because obviously if he hadn't said anything to Philippe, he would have probably been home and dry. And it did come out earlier in the week that he still wasn't putting everything on Philippe. 
when Philippe went home. Nobody was. So Philippe actually probably would have got away with it in the end. But I wonder whether Bert threw away his potential, say, €25,000 earnings. If he had said nothing. Yeah, if he'd said nothing, he maybe would have... Well, he probably would have won. He would have certainly been in the best position. And he threw it all away to be honourable. And that's really nice. But also, I do wonder if he had a little bit of regret from doing that. I think the lesson here is if you have information on the mole that nobody else even knows, not even that the mole knows, keep that to yourself because it may come back to bite you when you least expect it. Or in this case, he did expect it, but at the time, he probably wasn't thinking, oh, because I confronted the mole so early on about their ability to sleep, but now they're going to suffer from from insomnia for the next 10 days, and then a new mole is going to be picked, and then I'm going to be clueless as to what to do. Maybe I should back off from confronting them all. So if he, if he ever gets a cuckoo clock and gets to play again, maybe that's the lesson he's learned. It's a classic case of no good deed goes unpunished. Because if Bert had, as you said, if Bert had stayed quiet, Philippe wouldn't have quit. Philippe wouldn't have been nearly as stressed out about it. So probably would have been easier on production. And on Philippe, obviously. And Bert would have absolutely sailed to the end. As it is, he's... He's done the honourable thing and told the truth, but mm, it's kind of come back to bite him and sent him home halfway through the season. It's very fitting that he goes home right after Philippe does. What he should have done in the two nights after the mole was picked was just go knock on each person's door. Oh, is it okay if I bunk with you for the next few hours? See if you sleep talk? Just, just out of interest, do you have any family history of sleep talking? <laughs> Let's find out. Just asking out of interest, don't worry about it. It's nothing major. I just want to know. <laughs> Jens describes him as the ideal father of the group, someone who had beautiful stories. Manu says he's the sort of person you can vent to. He says that he played the game the way he wanted to play it. Jill describes him as down to earth. And everyone says that he was very excitable and enthusiastic. And we end the episode with a diary of the mole, which is actually briefing the mole, where the mole is asked, are you enjoying your new role as the mole? Yes, I didn't think I'd get so much pleasure out of it. I'm also happy I could tell my visitor yesterday, so I didn't have to wait until the finale airs. They are then told that the finale will air on May 8th, and that something special is planned. Yes, Joel DeCosta is going to streak in front of all the Flanders. For next time, there are explosions, Umar and Manu get chained up, a delivery driver falls over, Sven and Jens go looking for bananas, Uma shoots a banana from a slingshot, everyone runs off a cliff, and Sven says he has Jens' fate in his hands. One final thing on the test here. Would it have been wise for the first test to just split anyway? Split on the other five people? Because you are then guaranteed four points. Manu's advantage is only five. So if you get lucky, for example, on the first question, which is probably is the mole a man or a woman, you've got a 50-50 chance of getting that right. If you get that right and Manu doesn't, there's our advantage gone already. Yeah, if you presume Manu just went all in on one person. Manu essentially, as they said in the episode, had an exemption this week. So if she isn't the mole, that obviously gives her a little bit more impetus to to try and gamble and see see if she can go all in. Yeah, because chances are, but then she's probably going to survive no matter what. And then she's going to feel like a real big idiot 
if she goes all in on somebody and gets executed with a five point advantage on a 20 question quiz <laughs> oh definitely but i think i think especially this late in the game not knowing who the mole is isn't necessarily a disadvantage when someone has five pass Farragon, because you can pretty much make up that that disadvantage just by spreading on literally everyone else because the questions aren't going to be nearly specific enough the questions don't get absolutely specific in the final test they're still going to be to do with teams until then, I suspect. Yeah, it's such an odd situation because whoever the mole is has only had two challenges to do it, and no one really successfully sabotaged the second challenge since Manu played it as perfectly as he could, given her role. So really, you're just basing it off of one challenge, and the sabotage may not even have come from the mole. It may have come from the mole's loved one. So I don't even know what the strategy would be for this quiz. <laughs> I think especially after the past couple of weeks, you probably play this first this first test very conservatively. I think you split on at least two people, if not maybe three. three. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially like the first quiz all over again. You can't treat it like a, the round of six quiz in another season where you have so much more info and there's people you can filter out. Here it's... You really only got half of a... You don't even know if the mole really sabotaged anything this episode. Now, the great news for us is that, in our suspicions, this is the last week of two suspicions. We're going down to one next week. Yeah, I envy the contestants. <laughs> so with Bert going home, my pool team is now Sven and Jens, and Logan's is Anka, Manu and Uma. This is the final week for any team switches to be made. As announced last week, Second Suspicions is inexplicably now a thing, so you can get your ranking in right now at the link in the episode, or on our social media. It will stay active until, I think it's 6.55 BST PM on Sunday evening, and you need to rank all six people that could have been the mole at the start of this episode from 1 to 6, giving you essentially a free point on Bert, assuming you don't forget to put him sick, as people probably will have. I haven't looked at everyone's uh, submissions yet. I know people have started submitting already. Um, but you've got another three days after this episode comes out to submit your second suspicions. Who do you suspect, Mr. Saunders? I think Manu and Jens are my top two for this week. Interesting. Would you like to elaborate? I think I already did. Okay, whatever. Do what you want. <laughs> I think Clemens... Someone's picking up the tube was a big deflection that caused chaos. Manu caused a lot of chaos amongst the bottles at the end of the water slide challenge. She opened up the tube that had 500 euros that ended up being handed in. And then she found herself in the most prominent role of the second challenge. And she didn't attract too much attention to herself based on the way she played it. And then Jens was just doing, a, he was screwing up a lot of the timing in the water slide challenge. And then he tried to really earn back trust during the laser game, during the paintball game, whatever the hell we're calling it. I think Manu's very interesting this week because, as you said, in the first challenge, her and Clemens were by far the most suspicious people. But I don't think she played that second challenge like a mole. I think she played it like a contestant who had no idea who had what, but has a very good read on everyone else. And that's what kind of dropped her down my suspicions list this week. My top two are Sven and Jens. Sven because he was definitely in a very good place as the mole 
in that first challenge because he was controlling the flow of information and controlling those tubes and very much could have swapped those tubes. But also, his brother was in the key position in terms of letting people go and they kept messing up. They did obviously do it in the end, but his brother kept messing up the timing, therefore giving Sven much more time to dick around with those tubes had he wanted to. And he was obviously dealt a very bad hand in that second challenge, but I think he played that second challenge like a mole and just tried to sow as much mistrust as possible, which is what a mole probably should do if they are not the, the sharp shooter in that challenge. And Jens is a lot of the same arguments I had last week about why he would make a fun mole. He very much seems to be enjoying himself, and I'm not sure whether he's just enjoying himself as a contestant or whether he's enjoying causing so much carnage as a mole. But he's always smiling in the background. Yeah, it's tough to know when there's so many layers to picking a new mole halfway through because you're trying to evaluate contrast, their past behavior with what's going on this episode. Obviously, I am incredibly biased because if the mole is a guy, I win our pool. But even if I didn't have both of those guys left as my final two people, I think I probably would still have suspected them this week far more than anyone else. Uru and Anka, we just haven't seen enough of. And Manu is a really weird case where she was so moly in that first challenge and so unmoly in that second that... Cancels each other out. Yeah, I just can't put her in my top two this week thinking, oh yeah, she just might be. I don't know. If she is the mole and she wasn't given any any information on that second challenge, then her performance is even more impressive. I'll say that now. It was very, very impressive that she managed to get five out of five on on what people had actually taken. I can't think of another performance like that. But I just don't know whether it's it's her as mole or her as as a very good bullshit radar contestant. Who do you think's going home next week? Anchor. I think Anchor's going home. I know I said it last week, but I think it will be one of Anchor or Uma. Personally, I would rather it be Uma, mainly because if it is, it guarantees that at least one of us has suspected them all this season. Uma is the only person five weeks in who has had zero suspicion so far. That would be quite the feat. And it's been that way since week two. Have you got anything else you want to say? Nope. I think I'm good. Excellent. In that case, thank you for listening to our Demolbechia Season 10 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in the Canary Islands. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are at Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Lux of Kraki, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Natalia for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to use second suspicions, and I'm saying that to both the listeners and Logan, who I don't think has submitted his yet. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring. Trust. Ratatatatatata. No.